Welcome to the Warriors of Education podcast, bringing you heartwarming and real conversations with teachers on the front line of education from across the country. I am Karen Sarah Watson, and I am a teacher. This podcast is for those who want to better understand the experiences of today's teachers. Come join us. Welcome to the Warriors of Education podcast. Today, I'm really excited to have on Sabrina Flamo. She's a principal in Portland, Oregon. Welcome, Sabrina, to the Warriors of Education podcast. Thanks so much. Great to be here. Great to see you. So I want to hear about, basically, you're a principal, which is exciting because uh, I've, I've had an assistant principal on who you actually know, which is great. So I would love to hear about what's happening with you, what's happening with remote learning, what's happening in Portland. So tell me a little bit about yourself to start. Yeah, well, I'll start with uh, just a quick sort of overview of my time in education. Um, I just added it up, and I have been in education for 24 years, which seems impossible, but it's true. Uh, I taught grades three through eight, actually really oddly in order. So uh, taught third grade, then fourth and fifth and sixth and seventh and eighth. And then I was an instructional coach for a few years and then an assistant principal and now a principal. Um, I had just finished my fifth year or right now, I guess, I'm wrapping up my fifth year as a principal. Um, the last three have been at a school called Vestal, uh, which is where I am now in Portland Public Schools. Great. And I, what I, I read was that you, you're in a school for social justice. Can you tell me a little bit about how you implement that into the learning and in your position? Yeah. It's actually been super exciting. Um, tiny, tiny bit of backstory is that when I started at Vestal, it was a K-8, although we knew that it was going to move to a K-5. And so we used that transition time to um, redefine ourselves and, and add some focus to what we were doing. And uh, it was actually a fascinating process. The short, very short version is that some parents um, really wanted to define Vestal. It was kind of one of those schools that, that was getting defined by um, other people in, in not so great ways. And so we wanted to um, add a focus. And we went through a couple options and, and quickly landed on social justice. Uh, which has just been perfect. It's a really diverse school for Portland. Many people probably know that Portland is not the most diverse city. Um, and so for Portland, it's one of the more diverse elementary schools linguistically and culturally. And um, we just decided that the strength really in the school was around that and working together as a community and just recognizing, honoring individuals. And so anyhow, the social justice thing came pretty grassroots naturally and we just decided to go for it. Um, we have used a lot of teaching tolerance uh, information to guide our work um, and it's really great. People ask sometimes like how do you do social justice work with you know kindergartners in first grade and I'll tell you my experience has been um, that in some ways it's a lot easier than trying to do social justice work or have social justice conversations with adults um, because kids have a really natural sense of of justice and um, actually have a great little story if I can tell. Um, we are very our first year of doing this we started out with just helping the kids learn some different social justice vocabulary. I'll never forget this second grade girl named Pearl. Uh, I happened to be in the classroom at the time which I love. Um, 
the teacher was talking about what social justice means. And this little girl like literally had one of those light bulb moments and was like, wait, 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 wait. So what you're saying is social means like all of us together as a community and justice means we help other people when they need it. So that's it, right? And it, we actually captured that definition and have used it uh, ever since. Um, it, it just really like makes a lot of sense to kids. Like, oh, it's not that complicated. We help people and we work together. So, so anyway, we've found that kids are really open um, and understanding about social justice concepts. Seem right. big you know, and philosophical, but when you break it down for, for younger kids, they grasp it really easily and have taught us a ton. Great. Well, I do want to get back into social justice, but I first want to talk about remote learning. And then yeah. I want to go back to social justice to find out like how you guys are dealing with the current climate and what's happening. Yeah. So let's just go back to remote learning. So tell me how it worked in your school when you finally, when you found out that you had to go remotely. Yeah, there's a lot that we would have done differently. I can tell you that. Um, we, uh, like a lot of the country, March 13th was our last day in school. And at that point, we thought we were going to be off for two weeks. Um, we were at least smart enough to like clean out lockers and, you know, send stuff home with kids so that we didn't have food growing in the lockers and stuff. But what we didn't do um, that I wish we would have was, was send home technology. So technology in the form of Chromebooks for us was definitely the biggest hurdle. We have tons of families that um, didn't have access to any technology um, or Wi-Fi. So I would say in a lot of ways, that was our first huge challenge. And because we weren't sure how long we were gonna be away, um, as even a whole district, there was some waiting, there was spring break for us, um, which kind of just put a pause on everything. Then we decided that, um, you know, we had this process for how we were gonna get Chromebooks delivered to people. Um, and that was tough. I mean, it was a, it was a lot of vessel staff just choosing to literally drive around the neighborhood, dropping off um, Chromebooks with kids. So that, I, you know, in retrospect, we wish that we would have just stuck those Chromebooks in their backpacks um, because we actually have- How many kids, how many kids do you have in your school? We only have 250. Oh. It's small. <laughs> I know, especially compared to some New York City schools I know about. <laughs> crazy, like one hallway. Uh, and <laughs> our kids live in a really compact, neighborhood so it's, it's not like it was driving all over the city um so it was doable uh, it just more took finally deciding to to make a plan and just get the chromebooks we actually also put out an email to parents uh, and families just saying they could drive through our parking lot and i mean it was so funny it just was so unusual feeling now it seems normal in a weird way but people would just drive by and we would ask them how many they needed and we would just hand it to them through the window and so we, we, the good thing about all of that, even though it took longer than I wish it would have, is we got Chromebooks. Um, well, it, it, it was getting Chromebooks to kids and also just contacting every single family, uh, you know, kind of having a, I mean, we really like literally with some kids drove by their houses until we found somebody at home or found the kids outside. So I would say it took, it took a few weeks. Um, but we did get to a place, again, 250 kids, we did get to a place where we knew every single kid had a Chromebook. Um, wow. And then Wi-Fi access. So that whole thing took a long time. It was the biggest challenge. Right. Um, 
I will, I do want to make sure to say, like, I have, I mean, I have so much respect for teachers always, um, but in this situation, just the way that teachers have learned so much and stepped up and talk about, like, going beyond their normal, quote, unquote, jobs, the teachers at Vestal, I mean, literally just did whatever they could to contact families and to just kind of continue bugging kids to get online, to do the work, to check in. I mean, one, one teacher in particular, I just think of sent an email just literally begging parents, please, 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 just, just please get your kid on for the Google, you know, the Google meet that we're going to have a class, class meeting today. It's okay if they don't do all the work, but please, I just want to see their face. Um, and it, that worked pretty well. So, the other big hurdle we've had that I've been thinking a ton about that's, that's I think, hard on, on anyone who works in a school, certainly has been hard for us at Vestal, is the kids that we were already worried about at school. You know, those kids where it's like, you just really hope they come every day and right. usually show up late, but we mm -hmm. still get them breakfast and lunch. And um, the, the handful of families that were our biggest worries during the school year I mean, during in-person time, um, just has been a, a real worry. Um, I mean, there just there are some kids who, to be you know frank, are not in safe home situations, and we um, we don't know for sure if they're getting taken care of every day. So that that's been, I think, emotionally, the hardest part for us, for me, right. for sure. Right. Like getting Chromebooks is a hassle. Um, and was logistically tricky, but the kids that, that were just not sure that they're okay and that they're eating enough. Um, how did you go about doing that? Like, how do you make sure that they're eating enough and getting taken yeah. care of, especially the at-risk students? Right. It, you know, it's been, it's been hard. Thankfully, we have some staff that live in the neighborhood, um, and we kind of have a little, like a an informal, I don't know what to call it really, but an informal check-in where certain people just drive by certain kids' houses and then text everybody, you know, like I saw, I saw so-and-so out in the yard or I stopped to talk or I got a text from, you know, mom or just any kind of contact that we get, we take as a good, as a good thing. We have a staff member who has just gone crazy above and beyond and has been delivering um, food you know, picking up food at our, at our local, we've got like certain spots where people can go get food. And she just picks up a ton of lunches for kids and takes them directly to these kids, the kids I'm talking about, um, houses, and then keeps us posted on who she sees each day. So it does feel, feels great actually to, to, to get the text that's like, I saw so-and-so, you know, they were out yeah. playing in the yard and they're doing all right. Or a teacher saying, hey, so-and-so finally logged in. I finally saw him. And just keeping our community, I mean, it just feels like we're doing everything yeah. we can to keep our community connected. And right. It's tough. It's tough. So how do you as an administrator um, support your teachers, especially through this? Yeah, that's a, you know, that's a great question. And I keep reminding myself, like, I'm not totally sure how to do this. Like, it's hard to be a principal I mean any of these jobs but I often think for myself like I don't know how to be a principal in a remote learning situation when my favorite thing is being at school like it's just it's it's challenging so 
it's been, I had told my staff at the beginning that the only thing that made sense to me in all of this was that whatever we do, we, we feel like we remained a community during the whole thing. So whatever it is, I mean, if it's a math lesson that goes crazy sideways and, you know, your computer doesn't work right, don't worry about it. Just um, whatever it is that we can do to, to stay feeling like a staff community and that the kids feel like, yeah, Vestal's my place still, even though I'm not physically going there and parents too. So with teachers, a ton of it for me has just been communication, um, probably maybe even over communicating, um, which I've decided is, is okay. I've told people like, you don't have to read all my emails because I'm just emailing just to check in and you know share my current thoughts. Um, and then we developed a, a thing among our staff where it's like, you know, who's the go-to person if you know a kid who needs food? Or who's the go-to person if you get stuck on Google Classroom and you just need tech support? Um, and we just named all those people. And I think it's worked all right. Is everybody kind of like in a school, you know how you just know who to go to if your computer stops working? Right. Um, same, same thing. We just voted that person, but, but virtually. And I've just tried to, you know, remind people and myself, like, this is crazy time. I mean, this is not, there is no way to totally normalize this. Right. And goodness gracious, I mean, we've got to hope, like, this is once in a lifetime deal. Um, so just try to keep, you know, almost like a sense of, I have a sense of humor about it, but just a sense of perspective. I'm like, we, this, this is not the job any of us signed up for. What most teachers and people who work in schools love is student contact, right? Like you see the kid, your eyes get all sparkly and you get energized. And uh, we just got to hold on to that. There will be a time when we get that back. Right. But, so what, what's, tell me what's happening with your school now about what are you guys saying about what's yeah. going to happen in September? In the fall. Yeah. So we're out of school. Um, you know, we, we finished school on June 11th. We've been out for a little bit and there are a bunch of committees working on it. My guess at this time, and this is not, this is literally just a guess, uh, going from Oregon uh, Department of Education guidelines and a little bit that, that I've gotten from um, my district is we'll probably do a hybrid model where kids are split into two groups and they come to school probably two full days a week. Um, and then the days when they're at home, that's gonna be tricky. I don't know for sure if that's gonna be live streaming where they just are watching what's going on in the class with the other mm -hmm. half of the kids, mm -hmm. or if it's gonna be more like it was um, these past few months where it's, it's Google Classroom uh, you know, assignments and occasional check-ins. So I, I mean, it's so, it's so hard to know. I, I mean, I, I just, I'm trying to think of two months from now, even going into a classroom, like, especially because the epidemic is like, it's now resurging. I don't, how is it in Oregon for you guys? Are you, yeah. what is, what's the state of it where you are right now? Yeah, it's not, it's not awesome. Um, I just heard last night on national news that, you know, this, this national news uh, broadcaster was like, even Oregon is looking like they're getting close to a second wave or they're, you know, oh, numbers. And I have the same thing. It's like <clears throat> the same kind of thinking where it's like school would be in two months. So in the past two months, we like things are not getting better very quickly. Um, so Oregon, I mean, we're the county that I live in, it's Multnomah County. We're in what's called phase one still. And it's kind of, you know, like, 
the, the question is, are we going to go back to more stay-at-home stuff? So it's hard right. to think about school moving forward when at the same time it's like restaurants just opened, but right. might close again. And yeah, so Oregon's not, not, not in a great place. Um, right. I mean, I just, <clears throat> I, right now it's like we don't have, so New York is doing well right now. I mean, we're, we're, yeah. we, we've, we've, you know, we, we were the worst and um, yeah. we're doing better, but it's like the thought for me as a teacher to have to go back to school in like a closed environment because our classrooms aren't well ventilated right. and the windows don't open from below. They open from above. So the air is going up instead of through and there's that no cross ventilation. So I'm kind of terrified about it, like what yeah. that's going to look like. And I can imagine as an administrator that the amount of weight on your shoulder, because you were not trained to do this. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of, you know, trying to be, you know, be a critical thinker and use all the things that I do know. Um, but there's just so many unknowns. And as you, as you know, I mean, teachers like to have plans and like to know what's going on. Um, and, you know, it's a lot easier to run a school when things are predictable and there's structure and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it, it's tricky. I mean, my hope as a principal is, is to learn soon what the opening plan is going to be, you know, even if it changes, even if it changes three or four times before school starts. I'm hoping that we'll learn what plan A is soon so we can start at least making a plan, you know, right. like it's easier to have a plan and then divert from it, I think. Um, and to I feel, perspective. yeah, I feel like, um, because I think it's going to leave, it's going to be hard for teachers to be able to plan um, for next, like I'm trying to figure out, am I going to be online? Do I need to plan online? And I'm, I'm a theater teacher. It's a little bit different for me. So how is that going to look? So there's, oh. and I, I was like, okay, I'll spend the summer planning, but I can't right. really do that. Right. And I, I can imagine administration, administration and, and teachers everywhere are like, we're all just stuck. We're all just yeah. sitting here in this, in this muck. Yeah. But, um, a lot of yeah. waiting. Even, even yesterday I was like, all right, I've got a couple hours. I'm going to sit down and start thinking about schedules. And then pretty quickly I was like, no, I can't even do that. Like, how do you have kids go to PE in this setting? Right. I don't know. Right. Like, I right. just don't know yet because I don't know what the setting is. I do feel like, you know, one of the greatest things about teachers is they, as a, as a group, and I know I'm, you know, lumping everyone together, but my experience has been that teachers as a whole are so creative and so flexible, even when they don't necessarily want to be. Um, this past, you know, a few months has showed me like the teachers who, I mean, we had a teacher who was like, this is not the job I signed up for. I don't, this is no fun. I don't like any of this. And I was like, I know. And actually I feel the same way. She did a phenomenal job of online teaching and you know finding creative ways to connect with kids so i guess i i do find a lot of hope in that like whatever we do um it's it's going to be okay because teachers are fantastic and they're going to make it okay yeah and i'm hoping that there's a newfound appreciation for teachers which i think oh there God. is because I do too. before this happened my whole focus when I wanted to start this podcast about was about teachers' rights and about what's really like mm. the lack of respect for teachers oh. in this country and the yeah. struggle for teachers. And mm. I think parents are coming around. I think people are starting to come around. Let's just hope that like, 
the pay adds up to that and right. you know and that the respect keeps going yeah. so let's um let's move ahead, move on to i want to go back to the social justice issue because we're in a climate right now we, we we've just gone through the, the we're going through the protests uh right. um for george floyd and i want to know what you as an administrator are doing um, in terms of what's happening in the world and how yeah. your teachers are dealing with it and with your diverse population, what mm -hmm. exactly, what's happening with you now that this has happened? Yeah, yeah it's, you know, been such a fascinating time. Um, I think, as I had mentioned earlier, we're just, we just finished our second year of being a school, you know, explicitly focused on social justice. The biggest thing for me, uh, the, the biggest, um, impact i think of being a school focused on social justice is the vocabulary that we've taught kids over the past few years um and seeing how that translates to this time right now so one one example i have that i think captures it better than i can explain is um i actually went to a protest a couple weeks ago and it was so cool because i saw a couple vestal families and teachers um, wasn't in the Vestal neighborhood, but it was close enough where, where I guess it wasn't too surprising that there were that many people there. Anyway, one of the Vestal moms kind of pulled me to the side and she said, I cannot tell you how great it has been um, that your teachers have taught my kindergartner, um, her oldest is a kindergartner, all this social justice language because we've been using it to explain to him what's going on um, in the world and even coming out to a protest. We, one of the biggest things we've taught kids is about local action um, and how you know, they are empowered to take local action when they see an injustice. And she was like, it is so cool to be able to say to a five-year-old, like there's a big injustice going on in the world right now. And there are people all over that are protesting as their local action. And to have him just like, yeah, okay, I totally know what that means. Um, and so that, that like gave me the chills kind of when the mom told me that because I thought, yeah, at the very least, we've got this small group of kids that um, have some vocabulary around trying to understand this huge nationwide conflict um, in, you know, in a way that makes sense to five to 12 year olds. So the local action piece has been huge. Um, one of the things that we pushed during school uh, was that Every time you make a choice to do anything, that's a local action. So it can be as small as like checking in with a friend who looks sad, or it can be as big as um, we've had some kids plan marches for our school um, and you know make signs and, and figure out how to, just all the logistics that go into that. So during this time, there's been two things that have come up. One is just that, the, in reference to the virus and being at home is like, you got to take local action right now. And the weird thing is that the local action is staying home and, you know, helping take care of your family and making sure you're okay. And, you know, wearing your mask is a local action. So it's been nice to have that framework, but the other piece with, with the protest and the unrest and the, um, you know, the injustices that are going on in the country uh, is helping kids understand that, you can take a local action right here in Portland. And in fact, if you look out your window or you look at the news, you're gonna see a ton of people taking uh, local action. So, so that piece has been huge. And the other, uh, two of the other vocabulary concepts that we've taught kids is about individual identity and community diversity. So that's also helped with um, helping kids 
understand like the Black Lives Matter movement comes out of individuals not respecting community diversity and not respecting um, and, and being fair and just to people that are black. Uh, and when you have a conflict that comes out of not respecting community diversity, that's when you have an opportunity to take local action for social justice. And I know like saying all that sounds like to me, even saying it out loud sounds like a, just a lot of words, but the coolest thing is realizing that our kids are, are understanding that vocabulary and knowing what to do with it. Right. So the one other piece I would just add on that, that we decided like, how are we gonna address all of this unrest that we would be talking about all day at school? Um, and two, two big things have come up. One is um, during all this time, I've done a read aloud every day that's been social justice focused. So I'll talk to the kids. I mean, I don't know how many kids are watching it, but um, hopefully some are, you know, and I'll talk to the kids as if they're right there in front of me about what this book has to do with social justice, how it ties in with um, George Floyd and, you know, the protests that are happening right here in Portland. Um, and then the other thing that we've been doing online is, is sharing with kind of a, a dialogue that's for parents to watch with their kids or family members to watch with their kids um, around, around social justice concepts. So again, just trying to stay in touch um, around these huge issues that we would be talking about a ton at school. There are, and you know, the other thing is that I think is really an important point, and I'm curious what you think about is is getting diversity in your staff. Do you? I mean, how is that yeah. for you? I don't. Yeah. I don't know what the. Um, I don't know what the makeup of of Portland, Oregon is, but I know yeah. that um, that what the other be, uh, besides teaching our children about this is that what are we doing as like what are you doing as an administrator to make sure that your staff is is representing that also? Totally. You know what, that has been one of the biggest challenges because just short, short version, Portland, Oregon is, is, is really white, very, um, I mean, we're just not very diverse. One of the things that's come up during all this time is how, I mean, Portland or Oregon as a state, when, when Oregon started as a state, it was, um, I mean, there were tons of um, rules that kept black people out of the state. So this state has a lot of reckoning to, to do with our history. Um, that has not been openly taught either. So anyway, that's kind of a whole side conversation of things that really must be addressed with some urgency. Because of that though, over you know years and years and years, um, there it's not a very diverse uh, population and we fit that sort of nationwide problem of our students are more diverse than our teachers for sure. And Vestal fits that, uh, very closely we have we have very few teachers of color um, or staff of color and um, it feels like it's a constant it's a constant thing that I'm aware of but it's it's also like such a challenge because there just aren't a lot of um, people of color looking for jobs in Portland and I think it's understandable you know yeah um, it, I think it's just I think it's important just to recognize it and to you know, I mean, I I, th I think it's it's good to address it, and I think it's yeah. good to address it with the staff. And I and I see that you're doing the work that you need to do, and it, through time, hopefully, yeah, it will it will you know we can we can diversify more throughout right. the country and stuff. And I I can 
you know, I'm from, a, I'm, I'm from Connecticut and it was not very diverse where I grew up either, you know, right. which is both like, it's, it's kind of infuriating in a way that like we didn't have that. And, but also this is like history, but this is what we need to work towards. Yeah. But um, I do, so I'm gonna, we're going to wrap it up, but I just want to say like, I love the work that you're doing. And, you know, I, I, I wish, I always wish I could have a principal like you who like really cares deeply about your, your staff. And it, it, it looks like you do, a, you, you put a lot of work in making sure that your teachers are taken care of. And that's what we want to see. And we want to see that it's not just us working. It's not just us on our own, floating on our own island as teachers, but we yeah. have people behind us. So I just want to thank you for being behind your teachers and yeah. for the work that you do. And, um, and it's just been like such a pleasure to have you on here. And um, I'd love to check in with you in a few months and see, maybe we'll talk again and you can let me know what happened with remote what learning and what happened, happened with every, definitely. But, yeah. um, but I just thank you so much for being on the Warriors of Education podcast and, sh and sharing your stories. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. This has been the Warriors of Education podcast, dedicated to all the hardworking teachers across this country. We hear you. We see you. We honor you. Thank you.